It is time to chew up the band, and it's still real to me, damn it! For it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan and Reardon, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. Chaps, we're recording this just as we're about to hit ungodly levels of, of warmth uh, uh, in this country. Touching, like the record temperature this country's ever experienced or something like that. Happy Heatwave Eve, everyone. I yeah. am I am not caring about the audio issues that like having a fan on will bring. I've got a fan on and it's directed right at me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. We just gotta deal with it, right? We're doing what we can to survive. As I've said many, many times, this country is not built for hot weather. Indeed. I can't, I can't wait for every listeners right now. All of the Sweet Chinwag podcast is ready for Sosan's comment to arrive. So <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome that's awesome um apart from all of that though how have you two been this week uh, i guess yeah good, good. If, good. You, if you ignore like living in the hellscape yeah <laughs> with temperatures that will lead to hell like oh my goodness it's good. hellscape social hellscape it's basically all one and the same Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been extremely busy as well, like with work as well. So all of this compounded together to have a week where my mind just went, <laughs> literally just turned into mush. But fortunately, I'm still functioning as a human being because I'm here. <laughs> I'm Barely just saying on. this just because I got interested and looked it up. We're we're definitely breaking the record temperature that, that like this on Monday. Yeah. Oh boy. Like, dear God. Oh, but it wasn't. It's not like how it was in 1970. I don't care if the weather was good in 1973. Everybody, <laughs> we're in a completely different infrastructure. It's a completely different world <laughs> compared to then. <laughs> Sick of all. Apparently, people our record that. high temperature is 38.7 degrees. Yeah, that's getting smoked. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and what's the betting? It's going to be in Gravesend. Because it always, always happens to be in Gravesend. But I digress. Well, alleg- allegedly, the highest temperature recorded was in Cambridge. So maybe Gravesend's for- going for the record this year. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Oh, alrighty, peeps. We give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. Guys, you know, here at the Sweet Chinwag, we are pending burning alive thanks to the heat wave. But even if that wasn't true, we would always be pending, and we always will be. Come on, we got to keep Unless- <laughs> Unless we don't survive. Okay, that of is, course. Got to keep up the illusion somehow that we're still pending. <laughs> yes, the illusion of pending. <laughs> oh, whilst on that note, before we get into our, our kind of... I'm really looking forward to our little discussion all about the concept of kayfabe. It is time to visit Dan for this week's Wrestling News. Wrestling News. Ooh. Nice. All right. So, do we want to start? Do we want to start off by staying in the hellscape, or do we want to exit the hellscape briefly? Yeah. Uh, you know what? While we're here, I while mean, we're yeah, here, I mean, while we're down, we're, we're, we're way down. All right. Well, down. Let's, let's let's get in, let's get into the hellscape and go to 
Um, one of the stories that I woke up to this morning, which was the story, is that Michael Elgin got arrested in Japan for allegedly stealing protein powder. Yes. <laughs> and the only thing I could say out of this is, surely Noah is not paying that badly. You'd think so, right? Like, you should like, be able to... Like, protein stuff is stuff that you should be able to get. Mm. Is there a shortage? Is that what it is? I, I don't know. Like, I don't... I genuinely don't know what it is. <laughs> he got arrested for stealing protein powder. And now he's, resp- he's... I know he's responded to it since. Not that I have read most of it. Hmm. But, like... I have I have no words <laughs> other than I hope that this is the thing that makes Noah go, hmm, maybe we shouldn't work with him anymore. I mean, we'll I mean, find I was, out, I mean, I I was surprised that it was protein powder, if I'm honest. Because <laughs> knowing Michael Logan, I was expecting it to be something much worse. I mean, hey, right? I don't know. All I know is that reading it, I was confused as all hell. Anyway, as Rob Van Dam's also in Noah right now. Rob Van Dam kicking all sorts of ass in Noah and looking like he's having the time of his life, which I I'm sure that he is like just living for it right now. I love it. I love that a we get RVD just loving life in Noah. But also, if you've seen some of the pictures of him with Masato Tanaka as well, it's just like, oh my mm-hmm. god, old school ECW is alive and well, and it's in Japan, baby. It's weird how like Noah's gone through this arc <clears throat> of this year of like <clears throat> having some of the consistently best action and then capitalizing on none of it, mm-hmm. completely ruining all Western goodwill in like a week, to then having. Um, the event that they just had and then having like Ninja Mac versus Dante Leon become like a headline for them. Holy crap. Did Ninja <clears throat> Mac have one hell of a match? Like Noah just went, yeah, we're just going to throw all of it away and build it all back up again. You know, what always makes me surprised is when people realize that Rene Dupree works for Noah. Yeah, but I'm more confused about that by the, by virtue of the fact of, Rene Dupree is still wrestling. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I know. I know. I know. He's quietly like plugging away at his work, but I'll, I'll be honest. I've never had that much interest in Rene Dupree outside of New Legacy. True. Very true. <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased that the real diamond mine, <laughs> uh, Sugi Uragoon. Yeah. The team of Timothy Thatcher and Hideki Suzuki are now yeah, GHC tag champions. Hey, you love to see it. You love to see it. I just say I just things, you know have what? Got, things have mostly gone right with the Lord. Keno is now GHC champion as well. Yep. I'm so just, I'm just most things most things are right with the world. Just happy to see that Timothy uh, Thatcher is actually now in the one place he actually wanted to be before he signed with WWE. He's actually now in Japan wrestling. Well, it's just the thing of him being able to do what you know you get Timothy Thatcher to do. Mm. Like, and that's grimace him, while he's you get- bending your arm. <laughs> yeah, you get him. You get him to be there and just turn people into pretzels. <laughs> That's how you do it. 
And then Noah was just like, don't worry. I've got you, Chief. <laughs> By the way, am I the only one who really just wants to see Goshi Azaki again as GHC heavyweight champion? It's not I mean, that he's I don't on, mind Keno he's being been on a pretty, He's been on a pretty good run. Yeah. A really good run, as a matter of fact. But then but again, like, all of this because fucking Keiji Muto just can't no, stop I was himself. Say, Keiji Muto can't stop. Although he's said he's stopping himself now, but then kind of the virtue of that is he has like passed on his spirit to someone else. He's the Terry Funk of Japan, as Keiji Muto. I can't remember who. I can't remember who it was. <laughs> I want to say Kaz Hayashi, but. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I believe it was, it was like, Kaz Hayashi, oh, just, yeah. Just so you know, Kaz can now use all of my moves. And I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> so it's going to turn Kaz into just Keiji Muto V2. It's going to run it back all over again. The Great Muto 15. No. Uh... Yeah, literally. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, So, no, good, it was good to see a good, uh, good Noah match, a good Noah card. Yeah. And obviously, New Japan started plugging away with the uh, G1. Yeah, I was really surprised at a couple of the results, actually. Well, from, I saw uh, the I, I saw I saw the one which was Aaron Hanari beating Tanahashi, which I, was I have to say, generally surprised New by Japan, that. New Japan, please just stop trying to make Aaron Hanare happen. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> just stop. <laughs> uh, In the wor- words of Mean Girls, you're never gonna make Fetch happen. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see uh, Okada and Jeff Cobb as well in the main event. Not a bad match at all. From ba- basically them. stick them two together, and you just know you're going to get a good match. Yep. Jay White yeah. defeating Sonada in the block B. Um yeah. El Fantasmo losing in block D. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> but leading up to what we have, uh, of oh, what what came up um, just today, actually. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we had uh, Tai Chi defeating Tomohiro Ishii in the yeah. block B. We had Toriyano defeating Jonah in block A. We had Z- every uh, year Yano gets one. He really does, and it's always the one you don't expect. <laughs> Keeps you on your toes, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, ZSJ uh, defeating Kenta in a really solid match. Uh, and Juice Robinson taking the uh, the block D win from uh, against Shingo Takagi. Was very Again, surprised they by are that. Going, they are going in on Juice Robinson. I'm surprised by that. Which is a choice. <laughs> I mean, Juice is quite popular, actually, very popular in Japan. Oh, so is, it makes it does make a lot of sense. I do get it. It still still confuses the heck out of me why he's part of Bullet Club, but I digress. <laughs> It's like he is American, so there you go. But he's like he's been a chaos staple for so long now. I know, but they just—I don't know. <laughs> what I, I will think say, New Japan knows what they're doing with the Bullet Club. They're just throwing stuff at a wall. One thing I will say is that Okada, I think, is about two steps close now to going through the full metamorphosis of turning into Antonio Inoki. Oh yeah. I mean, because there but is like, something about wearing like a ring robe. Is, At this point, we kind of knew. It just hits different, isn't it? It's like going into no, going yeah. to the ring in an entrance row, but just something about that man just hits different. Mm. <laughs> um, no, he's got it down pat. And then, I mean, we're staying with Japan here. I'm just gonna say, I caught the highlights from um, TJPW. Yes. Uh, awesome as fuck. Mm-hmm. It's really um, good. Really, really impressed by Raku. Mm-hmm. 
like really impressed. I, I've never really seen her go at that level. Did mm. absolutely awesome. Um honestly though, the, the, the one that surprised the one that's surprising me and amongst everything, um Rika Tatsumi has been stepping up. Yeah. So I'm 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 excited. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would be. From watching yeah. it, I thought you would be because ah, oh, dang, it was it was good. It's good. <laughs> um, gosh, I mean, in terms of stuff that I've been seeing over over in um WWE, um, it's been really really quiet. Honestly, I mean, I know, the, 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 there's so I many blinking missing. I know one thing that's happening in WWE right now, which is that maximum male models are having a person called Maxine Dupree. And it only makes sense that Ginny's the person to be revealed as uh, as Maxine Dupree. I'm sorry. Surely, right? It has to be Ginny. Surely. The fashionista, you know, the night, you know, the night's bridge terror. But the thing is, I feel like that makes too much sense for WWE. Or as we called her in the British Indies, the Primark princess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like, but I feel like that makes too much sense. It does make too much sense. This is WWE we're talking about, isn't it? I mean, talking of things that don't make sense, the Street Profits and the Usos at SummerSlam are getting a special guest referee, and oh my god, gentlemen, it's fucking Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, this man played the long game. TNA wins in the end. Literally, and I don't. Why him? Because it's I, in Nashville. <laughs> literally it, huh? Literally it. Exactly. Literally, that's it. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> they have a special guest referee. They could pick anyone, anyone who is known for high-end tag team artistry. We're going to pick Jeff Bloody Jarrett. Incredible. Incredible <laughs> decision. Their entire justification is it's taking place in Music City in Nashville. <laughs> why don't they just why don't they just bring out the honky tonk man? Do it. Do it. He's cool. He's cocky. He's bad. <laughs> oh. Alright. A couple of figs from Literally, NX. That, that, that's all I know. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Actually, wait, wait, back up, back up. Go so I gotta I gotta get this. Is this because that Elvis movie came out? Is that it? I, yes. You know what it could be, you know? Like, like, is that, like, because we've seen weird stuff with, like, I always think of the Terminator, which Terminator? Which Terminator was it? Genesis, yeah. Terminator <laughs> Genesis with Triple Eight. It, is someone in in the management really into Baz Luhrmann? Because I want to talk to that guy. It's got to be, it's got to be, isn't it, surely? <laughs> I just hope for. I guess in SummerSlam now we're just going to get a ten-hour loop of Elvis deep throating his microphone, <laughs> yep, yep, which has that been that going goes. around. Which for some reason in wrestling Twitter has been absolutely going viral this week. So tell me what's going on in the world. <laughs> uh, but to to, to uh, go to to go to, to to rewind to Raw, Austin Fury looking like fucking Blastoise. Nah, I'll tell you what Austin Fury looked like. Austin Theory looked like when the model glitches in the source engine. Yes, yes. <laughs> Holy crap, I didn't know a person's shoulder blades could detach like that. I thought he was going to gain flight for a second. 
again, I can't, I can't get over the endless comments of like, yeah, I, I, I'm so scared that they're gonna like go all in on like Austin Fury being like the youngest everything. Let's never forget that Austin Fury actually looks like a Titan from Attack on Titan. He does. He genuinely looks, and it's terrifying how much he looks like one of them. Like, they're just going to really hammer it home, or they're going to do some booky shit, and he's going to use the money in the bank flight of the United States title. Yeah, yeah. it's... Strange. It's very strange to say the least. Uh, over and on NXT 2.0, if anyone's still watching NXT 2.0. I know one point. person that still is. Unfortunately, it looks like the Grizzled Young veterans are going to be revealed as the hooded figures for Joe Gacy, which is oh an absolute God. bloody crying shame. I uh, saw that they trademarked two new names. Rip Fowler. For which, well, of course, I, that's got to be I Zach can, Gibson. I, I was going to say, surely that's Zach Gibson, right? Because, come on, that, how how more Liverpool than you can you be unless you call yourself Ian Shankly? <laughs> like, surely he is Rip Fowler. <laughs> it's a shame because uh, it seems like it, all of the scouse that Zach Gibson was really good for has now been stripped away from him. But this is the problem, though, because uh, I have I've always had Americans say to me like they don't get the grizzled young veterans, and I'm like, oh, I feel like they're being so bad, so badly wasted. Yeah, and it's so annoying, especially mm. be it that NXT UK exists and that they were doing fine on NXT anyway. <laughs> You'll never ever get a crowd in America that will hate Zach Gibson so much that they be all in unison will take our shoes off and lift them up in the air. I was the, I, I, I I bore witness to that happening at Wembley Arena, and it was something fucking special. Right. <laughs> especially, especially with like now progress has kind of kicked on a bit. Yeah, it's annoying to see because like so much good stuff could be happening, and now we have fucking Rip Fowler. <laughs> it's what it is. Also, we've got. Uh, we had at least Andre Chase in London having a guided tour there, but you know, that's all I can, that's all I can really report back from NXT if I'm honest. Has anything happened on SmackDown? The only thing announced was Jeff Jarrett, and even he, he didn't even come out. It was announced via a video package that Adam Pearce produced, and they oh, realised no. that they couldn't go home. They couldn't like end SmackDown like that, so they just made the Usos and Street Profits fight again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, by the way, fourteen minutes worth of recaps on that SmackDown. Fourteen minutes on a two-hour wow. show. Fourteen minutes worth of recaps. You gotta love it, hey! You gotta <laughs> love it. <laughs> Jesus. AEW wasn't bad this week. Uh, Fighter Fest week mm -hmm. one uh, actually was pretty darn good, if you ask me. Quite yeah, I saw enjoyed. some pretty good stuff out of it. Really good stuff. Um, actually, my, my I, I really enjoyed um, I enjoyed this week's rampage rather than I did Dynamite. Mm. Um, I saw we, I saw Sting's goth son launch himself off a truss. Yes, as he does. As he, I I gotta quickly ask this. Yeah. yeah. How long until people forget where Fighter Fest comes from? Like the joke of why it's called Fighter Fest. Two, three years at best. I'd say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
like, like, it's the problem that comes with having stuff which is so inherently dated. Because <laughs> in 2019, Fighter Fest was hilarious. Yeah. Yes. And even maybe in like, kind of like 2021. Hmm. Mm. But it's like when they did AEW Winter is Coming. Yeah. And then they did it again. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was kind of like, I don't know if this has the same impact anymore, especially after Game of Thrones died an intense cultural death. Yeah. I was going to say, somet- like, sometimes every year when it rolls back around, when Fighter Fest comes out, I wonder if Jar Rules just like his DMs going, ah, wake up. <laughs> hey, you remember that question. time you fucking failed? <laughs> he constantly has been reminded of it ever since it happened. Very good question. Very, uh, very I'm good really question. loving the Lucha Brothers and El Fashion uh, Ingobernables um, yeah. rivalry. I just, it's great to see, you know, Penta, Ray, Andrade, and Roosh actually having a really meaningful rivalry on American television. Yeah, it's good having one that you can actually watch. Loving that. Um, Gresham and Moriarty had a really good, solid ROH world title match. This, of mm. course, is set up for Death Before Dishonor. We've got Claudio Castagnoli versus Jonathan Gresham for the ROH title. I On know. His, a part of me is like, I really would love to see Claudio become ROH world champion, but mm. there's also a part of me that's like, don't I think Hangman brought it up. Uh, back, uh, backup Hangman on Twitter brought it up. It's like, don't feel the need to do that because you've got because it's like the re- the one you really should be going for is Gresham versus Brian for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Yeah, I can <clears throat> tend to agree with him on that. Then one, again, but... then, then then again though, you could be you could position it as like Gresham versus the BCC. That is very true. So he beats Claudio. And then after he beats Claudio, he faces Yuta. In a maybe even in a unification match if he wins the and if then he you retains have, the pure title. And then you have I, I guess then Gresham versus Mox. hmm And then obviously Gresham versus Brian when he comes back. It's, I mean like in, in amongst that we've got the ROH pure title match which is Utah versus Garcia in which I in which case I, if, as, if they could just run back their 60 minute IWTV match and I'd be fine with it exactly. they won't but exactly um, uh, the ROH tag team titles two out of three falls I really FTR like the sit down I really liked the sit down segment between FTR and the Briscoes mm-hmm. <laughs> really enjoyed uh, that ROH TV title, Samoa Joe versus Jay Lethal. Samoa Joe, please, I beg that you win that because I don't need another Jay Lethal ROH TV championship run. Same goes for the women's championship. Mercedes Martinez, please win that. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's, there's a lot of really, really cool stuff ready to go on show. Indeed. Indeed. Of course, over on Dynamite, we had uh, the a, the interim AEW world title match. John Moxley yeah. versus Konosuke uh, Takeshita. Takeshita had an incredible match. Fucking awesome. Uh, Wardlow versus Orange Cassidy for the TNT title was entertaining as all heck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luchasaurus absolutely decimated Griff Garrison. Evil Luchasaurus. <laughs> Evil Luchasaurus. 
Uh, we had we had we had a reunion of the real Americans as Claudio Castagnoli defeated Jake Hager. What a, what a psychological whiplash that was when I heard them on commentary say these two have a past history together. Yeah, and of course I was there. I was like, what the? F-? I was like, you fucking remember that? <laughs> of course the people do because we the people. I'm oh, sorry, that's that's terrible, me. And of course the World Team Tag Team Title Team Taz versus the Young Bucks versus Swerve and Our Glory, and would you believe it? Swerve and our glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland are now your new AEW World Tag Team Champions. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm kind of annoyed. Really? I think it should have been start. I think it should have been Team Taz. There's a part of me that agrees with him, you know. Are you sure that your love of Taz is not blinding you, Dan? It's the love of Ricky Starks, right, no, isn't no, no, it? Okay, okay, right. Come on, let me, listen. Let me... No, 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 no. Swerving Old Glory, awesome, right? Abs- absolutely love it. Yes. But they've they should they should already be looking at positioning Team Taz up. And I hope maybe maybe this is a pivot point for that. I do be fair, I do like the story that they're doing, which is Swerve trying to fight every single instinct in his body to turn on his tag partner. Yeah. <laughs> that has happened like every three months beforehand. <laughs> I don't. I was feeling. I was feeling stocks. I was feeling stocks and Hobbs in this one. I'll be honest. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, the only way I'd ever be annoyed at this is if the young bucks retained. That's true. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, true. For a team that I was absolutely convinced was doomed to not work, they have made that. They have made uh, Keith Lee and Swerve have made it work. Um, I also do like how they position Keith Lee now with the whole because he does more power stuff when he does his more impressive stuff it's even more impressive yes i'm just glad that they've got they've made they're, they're allowing him to do all that stuff mm-hmm. i'm just glad that, and it doesn't have to growl like a bear either thank god for that <laughs> <laughs> so that was aew very much enjoyed that looking forward to week two when we get the mm-hmm. the cross promotion shark week shark cage everywhere barbed wire match between yeah. jericho and kingston i kid you not read and it is actually tying in with discovery shark week because <laughs> we, we live in a strange strange world don't we <laughs> we do I, I don't even I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if I'm angry. I don't know if I love it. It's just completely inexplicable. If I said I'm impressed yet disappointed, would you understand me? Uh, yes, yes, I would understand that actually. <laughs> so we've got all of that to look forward to for next week. Um, yeah, is there anything else in the world of news, Dan, that we uh, need need to uh, um, cover? Is that pretty much it? Uh, my only last thing uh, is that DPW is at it again. The boys are, in fact, back in town. Oh, yeah. We're actually banging a show and show down the Carolinas, but that doesn't matter one bit. What does matter is that they are going to be the point for the U.S. debut of Jungle Kiona, and I am so gassed. <laughs> so, oh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to I that. I love how this company, which was started for fans of a like a niche group of wrestling youtubers <laughs> have created a wrestling company and it has genuinely become one of the most interesting and like 
impressive indie companies in the US right now. <laughs> it's crazy how that happens, isn't it? It is literally meant to just appeal to like a specific group of people and yet has become like an indie darling. It's so good. And this, this coming from three people who cannot stop saying Dick the Cock Johnson. <laughs> This is what you get. <laughs> it just it just amazes me. It just amazes. It makes me half convinced that we should just start our own promotion, goddamn at this point. This is the equivalent of us like getting our own promotion. And then just like you know, four shows in, we're like, alright, we're gonna do a pay-per-view. And like what what's gonna what's gonna be like um <clears throat> our main event and we just go, ah yes. Keno versus Chris Ridgway. <laughs> like uh, Kurt Angle's on commentary because why the fuck yeah. not? <laughs> oh no! It's, it's it's like I I'm looking forward to watching because I have heard so many good things about Showdown in the Carolinas. So I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to going back to watch that. I have heard that the national title finals was really good. I don't know who won that one. I also heard that the hardcore match between Colby Carino and Krull was really good as well. Yes. Um, and it's it's just DPW, man. It's just DPW. DPW. Ah, oh, that is for true. But uh, with that, Dan, are we done with the news? We are done with the news. Lovely stuff. Patreon.com forward slash Sweet Chinwag. If you want to get early access to all things, episodes, one day early, you can get access to that. Disc an exclusive Discord server and future videos, all early access. You can get that up over on Patreon.com forward slash Sweet Chinwag. Reardon, recommendation corner. What do you have yes. for us this week? Yes, yes, yes. Guys, uh, how do you feel about Peter Cushion? Well... Awesome. From what you told me the first time you ever met me, I have the jawline of Peter Cushing. You do. <laughs> you really do. It's scary as hell. Do love Peter Cushing. One of my like favourite actors in the whole Hammer Horror um, uh, series of films. Well, you're in luck. Uh, as a little uh, treat to myself, I, with a friend, got to watching a double bill of the Peter Cushing Doctor Who movies. <laughs> Love it. They are very controversial in the Doctor Who fandom, mm. like everything in the Doctor Who fandom, but I don't care. They're pretty neat. Um, I, I personally think that uh, Dalek in the Dalek Invasion 2150 is the better of yeah. the two. Yes. With some actually very good effects and, like, and, and actually... And actually, just like a very quite serious tone, which actually works. Whereas Doctor Who and the Daleks is a lot more of a 60s type romp. Yeah. And right there. And, you. A, and a warning um, if you're going to be watching Doctor Who and the Daleks, um, the Daleks, because they haven't really quite figured out what their actual speech pattern is, the Daleks speak very slowly. <laughs> Enunciating <laughs> every single syllable. <laughs> it's, uh, 
It's a bit of a whiplash when you're if if you've you, if you've never watched yeah. them and you've been yeah. watching the TV show for so long. It yeah. really is. And, yeah, and also because it's an a specific adaptation of the show, they do change a lot of things. The doc, Doctor is literally called Doctor Who. He's a human. The TARDIS is weird and doesn't do the warp, which is which is the really weird thing. There's no warp in either of the movies. It's like it's like when you. This is like this is such a niche reference when I say this. You ever gone back and played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One? Yes. Yes. And then you realize like you can't manual yeah. or reverb. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, that's like exactly you go, it. it's like you can tell that they clearly hadn't fully formed it yet. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very much a, a, a Doctor Doctor Who story in the very beginning of its lifespan. So keep that in mind. It has a lot of stuff that I didn't like, but. If you just want to see kind of weird and wonderful old 60s sci-fi, check it out if you've got some time. They're not that long, so you can just watch it. And also the Doctor Who and a Daleks theme song will get stuck in your head yes. because it's because it's extremely it's extremely 60s sci-fi-y. Yep. And I found myself humming it for the past week incessantly <laughs> so uh yeah but that's my recommendation try something different what what what's what's doc what's doc who the peter cushion doctor who's and he's a good doctor as well he's a good doctor he's a real good doctor and in a really weird turnabout way bernard cribbin's character in in, in dalek's invasion earth 2150 ad is called tom yeah. campbell not yeah. cultaholics tom campbell but <laughs> yeah 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 do you want to do you want to see do you want to see donna's grandfather in the 60s you watch what's what's Dalek Invasion 20, 2150. He's really good in it. He's really, he's really, really good in it. Okay, fellas. Because in lieu of the news of Jeff Jarrett coming back at SummerSlam to special guest referee the tag team title match, I thought it would be great to bring back the six degrees of Jarrett just for this one occasion. And I came up with probably the most cursed choice I could think of okay. for this one. What do you got for me? What do we got? For this edition of the six degrees of Jarrett, Dan, I want you to find the degrees between... Floyd Mayweather and Jeff Jarrett. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, for Floyd, uh, I don't know though, because I feel like this is this is okay. Because surely the the only professional wrestling match he's been in has been with the Big Show, right? Correct. So if I count that as one, I'm um, surely. Surely, at some point, yes, Mr. Paul, Mr. Paul White. What? No, the big show. Paul was never on TNA, was he? Was he? No, 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 no. But no, but surely in WCW, right? They should have had an interaction once or twice before. Big yeah, so show. so so it Floyd Mayweather. Where... So Floyd Mayweather to the Big Show. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's one. And then, hey, uh, the <laughs> okay, so it's two because you have Floyd Mayweather to the Big Show, and then yeah. the Big Show as the Giant against Jeff Jarrett from either Halloween Havoc '96 or World War Three '96. Right. I am just wondering though, can I keep this as the Big Show? <laughs> 
that's a very good question, actually. So obviously Floyd Mayweather to the Big Show, and then he debuted as the Big Show in like two thousand. Nineteen. It would have been ninety nine when he debuted as Paul White, then Big Nasty Paul White, then the Big Show Paul White to eventually the Big Show. Now the thing you got to take into account during this is during these constant name changes, was Jeff Jarrett still within WWF at this time? Well, this is the thing. Oh, I know how. We, okay, I know how we can do this. Okay. So we're gonna go Floyd May over to the Big Show. Yeah. Uh-huh. We're then gonna go the Big Show to Jeff Hardy. Okay. Okay. We have a couple. We have a couple random like matches on like Raw. <laughs> Let's use this Raw from. 2002. So that makes Floyd to the Big Show, Big Show to Jeff Hardy, so that's three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then presumably at one point did they have a match that was not on a house show though? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> Jeff Jarrett beats Jeff Hardy for the NWA World Heavyweight title at TNA Victory Road 2004. Bingo. <laughs> so that makes Floyd Mayweather to the big show, to Jeff Hardy, to Jeff Jarrett. One of the longer four. one of the longer ones we've had. I think I've got my counting right. I think that makes it four. <laughs> so there so we are. in two or four. Two so or four. There we are. So the this is a very special episode of the Six Degrees <laughs> we'll, we'll, of Jared. We'll, we'll divide it. We'll, we'll start like new categories of new running categories. Absolutely. Absolutely. But all, gimmicks, all gimmicks and solo gimmicks. Oh, that's good. That is good as well. I like that idea. Anyway, as... We mean to go on for this week's episode. Let's get into the main portion. Let us talk about, gents, the concept of kayfabe. Now, this is going to be more of a discussion-based episode rather than me going over a little bits and pieces of the entire history because we'll be here all day if I do. But would you care to... In- could, could I indulge you two into a brief history into kayfabe? Absolutely. I'm intrigued by this one. So... What is the definition bog standard term of kayfabe? In layman's terms and on in, in dictionary.com, the entry is in professional wrestling, the term kayfabe refers to the practice of maintaining the illusion that everything is real, including scripted personas, rivalries, and storylines. This often extends beyond the in-match in-match performance to other contexts, such as backstage footage and interviews. Kayfabe has been around literally since wrestling has been around originally it was there to be able as a way for uh, bookies to kind of uh, cheat deals and to cheat bets out of people during its time in the circus and carnival scene then with the advent of the fr- of the golden trio taking over wrestling as we knew it it was a way to predetermine victories for each match it was very seldom rarely happening when it was in the carnival scene because it was a carnival slash circus attraction see see you know ed strangler lewis take on anyone in the audience or fight a bear yeah 
Uh, it was up until at least until the, like the Golden Trio, where where they finally started to make pre. They came up with a genius idea of making it predetermined. Or you know, as most people will try, it's fake. <laughs> and then, of course, as it as we go into the golden age of uh, of wrestling with the WWF and the territory scenes in the seventies and eighties, the illusion ha- was there as an unwritten rule of professional wrestling. You kept up appearances. You made everyone believe everything you were seeing were real. The wrestlers, their personas, the ring gear, what was happening inside the ring, and with outside, one of the very cardinal rules that you had to follow was under no circumstances should you be driving or sharing a room between a good guy and a bad guy. Never under any circumstances should you be doing that because you need to keep up the illusion. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, during this time, wrestling was still seen as a le- as a legitimate sports uh, sport attraction, and because of that, sports uh, wrestling fell under the athletic commissions of each state. Now, it's very question like there was the sub- some southern states didn't have any sort of legislation from uh, from the athletic commission when in regards yeah. to professional wrestling, but the most the one in particular was the New York and New Jersey State Athletic Commission. They put them under a lot of rules. As a matter of fact, in Louisiana, uh, the during the, athlete, the Athletic State Commission in Louisiana, which still has the rules in place for professional wrestling and actually came to under a lot of um, controversy at WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans, states that under no circumstances should wrestlers perform pile drivers, power bombs, top rope moves, moonsaults, or any move that will compress the head and neck area. I feel like that really, like, cuts down on your options. Yeah. No pile drivers, which is, you know what, WWE's kind of had that as, like, an informal rule for a while. Hmm. Yeah. And, like, there's not really many people that still you know, that made a point out of using them. The only one is obviously Kevin Owens because he can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like while she was there, like, you know, like Tony Storm, whatever. So power bombs. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that mean that means no Batista. And that's just not, that's just not cool with me. That's just that unacceptable. Way. That's just straight up unacceptable. <laughs> stupid. No top rope moves. We're not in WCW anymore. <laughs> Miss me with that shit. No moonsaults, wrong. Moonsaults are cool as shit. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what was the last one? There's just no moves that compress the head or neck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, damn, damn shame that um, Mitsuharu Misawa never got to work Louisiana. I guess. <laughs> just what? That, that that no no top rope maneuvers. I'm like, okay, hang on a second. Because I know I know I know New York and New Jersey still get still get crap because they still regularly cause beefs with um, indie promotions. Yeah, because I think it was. <clears throat> oh, which one was it? It was for one. It was for one of the shows. I think for like Enjoy or something, or in association so. with them, hmm. that they caused hell. And like shut the show down. It's still strange. It's still strange. Or try or tried to have or tried to have it shut down. Yeah. 
still strange how that uh, how the 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 state commission still have kind of a stranglehold over indie promotions but wwe they can still get away with it but i'll get to that in a second as to how they can get away with uh yeah with going over that so it wasn't it now it was an open secret but it was something that you shouldn't really tell anyone especially people that were outside of the industry how professional wrestling is built how to keep that illusion going it wasn't until the early 80s that a lot more people and reporters were coming in to kind of not expose the secret but to actually shine a light on the intricacies the insides of the wrestling business and none more infamous than 2020 with john stossel who well, as to not say exposed, but revealed a couple of a lot of secrets into professional wrestling. One of them being blading, two being the predetermined nature. When at that time, during the, especially the golden age of Hulk Hogan, you kept that up because it, you know they were making so yeah. much money, and you 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 know Hulk Hogan's the biggest thing since sliced bread in professional wrestling. Of course, this documentary led to the infamous moment where Vince decided to get Doctor D David Schultz. To have an interview with John Stossel. When John brought up that wrestling was fake, Dr. D slapped him twice across the face. And he goes, You think that's fucking fake? Which. Oh boy. So, believe it or not, Stossel actually ended up suing WWF at that time, but it was an out of court settlement, and Stossel walked away with $425,000. <laughs> better off. Outstanding work rate. Yeah, and yeah, of course, which, which... that's yeah. my journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. D was then, was then suspended, not by WWF, by the actual New Jersey State Athletic Commission. <laughs> right. Interesting. So, like, good on the guy for getting his money. <laughs> Why did you slap him, my dude? Come on. Come on. Like, I get you want to prove a point, and obviously the nature of the industry was very different at that time, but, like, yeah. also, yeah. hitting someone on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and also, also, around the same time, we had Hulk Hogan putting someone in a chokehold. Exactly. Uh, exactly on a talk and literally, show. Yeah, and literally making the talk show host pass out <laughs> on, te on television. <laughs> now, would you believe on the I mean, exact same documentary, Vince was actually interviewed by John Stossel and said... Uh, under like said something along the lines of everything we do in the WWF is 100% real and the people that are saying that it's not I can say it's chalks it down to nothing more than sour grapes that they don't have a job at WWF anymore <laughs> I mean like yeah but also at that point there were still plenty of places that were running perfectly thriving regional scenes hmm until someone fucking killed them. <laughs> exactly. Um, talking of, as I said in the past, one of the unwritten rules of kayfabe is to not ride or be seen uh, if you're a good guy with a bad guy and vice versa. A very, very famous hiccup of this was an incident in 1987 in which the police arrested Iron Sheik and Jim Duggan, supposed rivals... <laughs> <laughs> for drink driving and using cocaine. 
the idea of the Iron Sheik on cocaine is an is an image that I think dreams are made of. I think nightmares, frankly. No, Hacksaw Jim Duggan on on cocaine is a nightmare. I mean, it makes, no, that's true. I was going to say, the Iron sense. Sheik on cocaine though sounds incredible. Guys, after we listen to um, the WrestleMania the album that Jim Duggan song, I think it actually makes a lot more sense that Duggan's on cocaine. <laughs> It, no, that's, it was. That's a good point. That's a very good point. In fact, I believe that everyone on that album was on cocaine except Bret Hart. <laughs> true, true. So, the first ever public acknowledgement by a major insider that the stage nature of professional wrestling was in fact stage came in 1989 when the athletic commissions had bit more, were getting a lot more of a stranglehold over professional wrestling and limiting from state to state what they could do, especially with the WWF. Vince decided to testify before the New Jersey State Senate and, tell, and publicly declare that wrestling was not a competitive sport. This admission on his part was to avoid interference from, from the state athletic commissions and to avoid paying the taxation some states placed on income from athletic events held in the state. As well wow. as it? to meet the requirement of having to employ a medical professional standing by as well as was generally mandatory during contact sports for involving injury. So Vince was trying to make more money for himself. That is incredible. It's incredible when you find out that's the reason. You know, you know how when we're here and people think we're being obtuse when we say that everything comes back eventually comes back round to capitalism. Yep. <laughs> We've already reached this point, and we're maybe like fifteen minutes into the episode. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Of course, the, the yeah, it's 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 absolutely insane that like you you take that, but also. Think about the fact of the history that even well into the 2000s, people were getting given fines for breaking kayfabe. Yep. Yeah, that's true. And, and then the owner of your company testified in front of the state senate. Yeah. <laughs> that he was in that, that everything was in fact a lie. Exactly. Exactly. Of course, and of course, this led to the very famous public, very public declaration that everything that you were watching was predetermined and was scripted. Sports entertainment was that very infamous state of the address promo that Vince McMahon made in 1997, where he said, we don't like the fact that you have you having your intelligence insulted. Well, Vince, look at your product in the year of our Lord 2022. I was I was going to say, brother, my intelligence has been sorted a lot over so, the last two years. This gave Vince and the creative team kind of the onus to now go for more outlandish, you know, soap opera style storylines embedded into professional wrestling. And this is where they really doubled down on sports entertainment. As a matter of fact, Vince came up with that line, with that phrase, in a 1987 interview. For I can't remember what magazine it was, but he did do it for an interview for a magazine where he called it sports entertainment or coined the term sports entertainment. Now... Been in his head for a long time, huh? It, a long time. So, gents... Before we go on to our proper kind of like chat about kayfabe as, a, as an entire thing, are you interested in knowing where the term came from? It's carny stuff, isn't it? I yeah. was going to say, I just assumed it was probably carny talk, like it there was a are, code word or something. There are many theories, actually. 
as to where it's where it's come from. There's no certainty in actually what one is the most true, but I'll list down some of the theories that I found during my little research on kayfabe. One suggests that it was derived from a word manipulation of the term be fake, basically kind of pig Latin in a way. It was designed mm. to conceal its true meaning. Carny talk, basically. Yeah. It's a carny term, like, you know... Um, uh, what what's the what's the uh, marks and you know all of that wrestling like terminology? Carney talk, rhyming slang, thieves can't, all that kind of stuff. All of that stuff. Now you have a lang, you have a language which is meant to be understood by a specific group of people, so that other people outside it can't understand it. I.e., yep. apples and pears, and then you just say apples or instead. The cheeky Nando's macro, exactly. which uh, which at this point I think is a shibboleth. <laughs> True, true. Now, another theory I came across claims that there was actually a wrestler known as K. Fabian who was mute. No, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do not believe that. I don't believe bit. that in any way, shape, or form. I just thought I'd bring it up because it made me laugh. Um, K. Fabian, I love it. I love it. K. Fabian. So, another theory I found suggested that the term derived from the expression keep cavy from the Latin verb cavio, which means to look out for. Now, this phrase was used. No, that's too, that's too, that's too smart for wrestling. Now, this that's is very phrase. specific. Mm. Uh, this phrase was actually used throughout um, Britain and by Jewish people living in East London between World War One and World War Two. Yeah, but I that mm. like, I, that's real interesting. Nah. And I, but for, for this for this context, nah, I don't think so. The final bit for this part is according to this. Many U.S. promoters and wrestlers at the time were of Eastern European origin. Many had heavy accents, leading to the term being transformed into kayfabe. So keep KV ended up becoming kayfabe. I mean, I understand mm. that like things can change, but then I don't understand why it would change that much. Mm. Mm. Keep KV, kayfabe. Yeah. Because mm. then that, you're you're changing like two whole syllables in the first in the first section. Exactly, mm. exactly. Because you're going from keep to keep to k. It's yeah. Yeah. A lot. It's a lot to get to a- that point. Kv to fabe. Kvo maybe. maybe if people were using the Latin version of it. Uh, I hardly doubt anyone was quote was was speaking Latin. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate the effort, though. I do, especially. Uh, yeah, I, I do, I do. But what we do know for certain is the very first time the word was documented was in a 1937 book by New York sports writer Marcus Griffin, described that some of the behind-the-scenes aspects of professional wrestling, suggesting that the term was already in common use in professional wrestling by that time. Very interesting. So, with all of that info dump out of the way gentlemen the concept of kayfabe let us discuss <laughs> so okay. in today's modern landscape is there even such a thing if i say yes but it's but as in like what it means to keep kayfabe has changed mm. Mm. Because I think kayfabe has now become more about rather than staying in K 
character and the confines of wrestling because you know social media exists and it's like impossible now <laughs> i think mm. the more more the idea of kayfabe is a constant is a constant or consistent character yeah true i i argue i argue that that like the internet might have re-energized kayfabe in a way yeah hmm. because when I think of like the the true masters of kayfabe, like like let like, we'll, we will discuss MJF on this definitely. <laughs> but my first thought in terms of like this is what modern kayfabe looks like. It's Becky Lynch. Yes. In that. In that, especially like um, I think when I really discovered this is what kayfabe looks like, at least in like modern WWE, was her um, rivalry with Ronda Rousey, where it was where part of it was explicitly a Twitter war. Mm. Like they like explicitly like they were basically creating memes of each other. Who was having the best meme war? Yeah. yeah yes. Like. I will never forget that weird ass picture of I think was it like of like ah uh, yeah I think it was um it it was like they had like photoshopped like Ronda Rousey's face on like the disc on her yeah mm-hmm. and it's just like that's when I realized oh oh this is what it looks like now <laughs> and especially with um talking about, like, the lead-up with Becky Lynch with the lead-up with um, Bianca Belair, Mm. where she was kind of like... It was almost like a weird kind of doublespeak. Yes. Mm. Where it was like, Becky Lynch is admitting, absolutely, that, you know, wrestling is fake and I don't care about the card, but that the actual tone of it (laughs) implies that, like... It's almost like meta. It's Mm. like... um, It's like... It's like instead of going like I am Becky Lynch the rest I am Becky Lynch the wrestler and like I am always hating her and this is it. It's now Becky Lynch talking about like specifically Becky Lynch talking about Becky Lynch. It's really it's really weird and kind of interesting to see. And also I remember when the height of um the Becky Lynch Charlotte rivalry yeah. was going on. She kept it up, especially I remember this in uh, Down Down videos, where she was playing the WWE game, uh, saying, this is what I'm going to be doing to Charlotte, beating up Charlotte Flair when someone else is playing it. It's just like, it's that kind of weird yeah. thing of like of wrestlers using Twitter. Twitter has been a boon for wrestlers in kayfabe. Because oh, yeah. now, because now you can literally just tweet in character. Yeah, you don't need you don't need to be like in character, like out on the street. You can just tweet in character, and if someone stops you, you can just say, "Oh, yeah, I had the carpool or whatever." Like anything kind of like that. There are more options to staying in character now than there were at the time, which makes things it gets weird quickly. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like this, this is the thing that I was saying about it, which is like that because that hard line 
between the audience and the wrestler does not exist anymore. Mm. And mm. in a sense, it cannot functionally exist at all. Yeah. Especially when you have stuff like, um, you know, as, as strange as it sounds, like the amount of things like charity work that wrestling companies do now. Yeah. It kind of, it can't exist as a, that hard line can't exist as a concept. But then that's kind of evolved into being like a consistent character. You're always doing the same thing and you're kind of fitting a profile. Yeah. Because I kind of just think about like, in, in, in a sense, if you want to say like someone like Eddie Kingston, for example, <laughs> most of his tweets follow in the vein of like, I am a man who like, I, the, the man... As in, I like Japanese wrestling, let me share that with you. And then also, like, just eventually, every so often there's a tweet just about how he's going to, like, punch someone's head off because he doesn't <laughs> like him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the, the, the point of where kayfabe is at now. And, like, there are times where, like, Kate, where, like, social media has played into, like, kayfabe storylines, like the whole Baron Corbin when he lost all his money kind of thing. Oh, Pat McAfee and Adam Cole is a great example of that. Yeah. Like it, it, like it, that purely happened over a talk show, which is a established thing that's been ha- that's happened before in wrestling canon. I would legit. I I know this is going to sound weird saying it, but I feel like Pat McAfee's been one of the very few people that has actually made kayfabe work in today's day and age. No, but that, but that, but that's the thing though, because as someone like him who has who has that interest in the business and has that platform to do it, mm. all of a sudden it's like. Oh no, we can, we we can do this. Like we can, we can, we can make this happen. And like, even if you want to think about it, in a way, things like BTE are like a continuation of that. Yeah. Because like, they are things that are happening behind the scenes, but they're still in character. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, it's really, really weird. It's almost. It's it's like it's almost as if like it's not it's not that it's died it's just it's become self aware and it's, it's morphed not, itself into something else. It is, yeah. not, it is not what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like I mean, as a concept, it still it still exists loosely as a concept. It's changed and evolved a bit more. So would you say in that regard that kayfabe as well, especially, I mean, for fans in particular, it's become more of a shared thing because for fans and the promotions alike, because we're now a lot more aware of what goes on on the machinations of a promotion. Yeah. So, and we buy into the illusion as we always, you know, as fans, when we go watch shows live or be on television, we buy into the illusion. We kind of get ourselves lost in that. So would you say now like kayfabe as a whole has become a more of a shared experience if you know what i mean <laughs> I would yeah say, well I would, say, I would say maybe then could you argue that kayfabe is now less a defined thing in wrestling and more just generally part of the suspension of disbelief we have to watch wrestling i would I think, go as far as saying that yeah i think it's more like there is now instead of it being one hardcore kayfabe there's now kind of like, it's now like a kayfabe gradient. 
Yeah, it's a because, Yeah, because especially in the 90s, especially in the 90s, often mm. to its detriment, but we'll get to it, the, the, the machinations of the business, you know, contracts, actual real-life stuff, like, became more and more ingrained into character. Yeah. Like, like, like you could argue, like, The Undertaker's final run as a wrestler is basically everyone trying to make The Undertaker finally break kayfabe once and for all. <laughs> like, you could really, like, you could really argue it's, like, just say, it's, like, it's just strapping Mark Calloway to a chair, punching him and saying, admit you're not a zombie man, and then just coughing up blood and saying, go fuck yourself. And basically, that is just, bas- that is, basically the rivalry between him and AJ. <laughs> yeah. It is literally just that. <laughs> so, like, you have stuff like, like I, I mean, hell, like, one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest promos in WWE history, Paul Heyman finally saying everything he wants to say to Vince McMahon. Yeah. Is breaking kayfabe entirely. But this, this is the thing, though. Like, I, There are lots of people who get at me and they're like, oh, modern wrestlers don't know how to keep kayfabe. And I'm like, but the, well, most of them, like, they mention all these things from like the attitude era, and I'm like, those break kayfabe. Yeah. No, they broke kayfabe. They're very, very specifically. I, I, think, I think the thing people forget, maybe, about the attitude era is that so much of it was based on opening up the reality of wrestling. Yeah, because that was literally that was like, the, the whole point is that. that, like, Vince is like the meg becomes the megalomaniac owner of the company and then that's not just a character that is literally what his position in the company was and remember yeah. that all start and all of it started with probably one of the most the most infamous kayfabe breaking moment the montreal screw job yeah you have it's it's the, but that's what it's it almost becomes like an ouroboros eating itself <laughs> exactly. yeah <laughs> like you look at it, you look at it too far, and you get you go cross-eyed. You straight up do. The longer you stare into the void, the more the void stares back at you. <laughs> Dreams. This is a shoot, damn it! When it's not actually a shoot. Yeah. Just, just it's. I I have thought about this question for so long, especially ever since Becky Lynch, it kind of stuck into my brain, this. Mm. And then you have people like MJF, who are almost like an unholy hybrid of old and new kayfabe. Like, like, it reminds me of a lot of, um, uh, like, if you're thinking of, like, times of, of, of lengths, they went to, to keep kayfabe. You have to talk about Ted DiBiase. Yes. Which I was yes. waiting for. Which I was waiting for you to kind of like mention. I, I'm so glad you brought this up. So, what was the most like the most famous thing about Ted DiBiase back during that time in the WWF is that Vince wanted to keep up the illusion that he was in fact a millionaire, and so would give him huge wads of money to carry around in public, put him in first class on flights, and also made him come to arenas in limos just to keep the illusion that Ted was minted. Yeah. I just love it, though. 
it is so great. Because but, even even within that, right now we understand what we understand about wrestling. Mm. In in many in many senses, <clears throat> that was all entirely unnecessary. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> but just because of that, like one thing <clears throat> that maintained that he had to maintain that illusion, Vince had to spend all that money to protect that image. You know, that oh, yeah. did we ever get a, like a count as to how much they spent on him in the end? I, I know have it's no been It's not been it's not been publicly it's not been publicly known, but Ted has alluded to the fact that it was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of money. I mean, let's be real: first class tickets on planes are not cheap. Yeah. <sighs> Like, I've always been fascinated. If out out there, if, you, if anyone is has been crazy enough to actually be able to calculate that, let us know. I would honestly be, be fascinated by how much money you spent, how <laughs> much money they spent to do with that. I tell you, while on the subject of this, if there is one, and I mean one thing that they could do to replicate this, right? is that I'll say this, right? Maximum male models. You go all in. You've got the, you've got the model agency website up. Why not you you send Mac, uh, LA Knight, uh, Mason Mansour to Paris Fashion Week? To really, like, send them to Paris Fashion Week. Send them to the Milan Fashion Week. Do that if you really want to maintain that these these guys are actually fashion models and he's a fashion model like agent. Do it. You might as well. I want I want to see pictures with of of them with Grace Jones. That's what I want. Yes. That's what I want in my life. You see, you see, like uh, Max Dupree on the front row of Paris Fashion Week, f- flanked by Grace Jones and. Cara Delevingne. Why, why, why are they not at the Met Gala? Exactly. Oh, uh, you know, no, again, that implies that that implies that WWE it like believes the Met Gala to be culturally culturally relevant. Fair. That is a very good point. <laughs> so but, it's I, I would I would really would love to know though, like Sabrin, how much they spent on Ted during that time. Yeah. I'm just, because I'm just thinking about it, right? And obviously, this is only like current money, but like a first class flight is like two grand. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Wait, what the fuck is two grand in adjusted for inflation? <laughs> adjusted for let's say when when was when was his heyday? I want to say eighty six. I want to say eighty six, eighty seven. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now let me get out a US inflation calculator. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, what? Yeah. So while while the Dan looks that up because I am honestly very fascinated. The, so I got to ask a question. What is as the as the known Japanese wrestling, what was the kayfabe like in Japan? Same, different. Japan has has a very different sort of cultural relevance to professional wrestling. It is seen and always has been seen as a sport, uh, a sporting spectacle. Um, so much so that all of the sports publications still cover wrestling. As a matter of fact, wrestling was one of the biggest covered sports in japan uh in the in the 80s and 90s mm. oh 70s even i mean antonio Inoki, as we all know was the biggest star in japan um and that was cool because of that still being seen as a sport um 
led to Antonio Inoki versus Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Thing is, with kayfabe, it was always known in Japan that it wasn't a hundred percent real. Like most people knew that these were predetermined, but the culture of Japan being a very stiff um, place to like a, a stiff place to work at mm. or work in meant that there was an air of reality that always bled underneath professional wrestling yeah mm. um, um i've done i've done the maths yeah and i've got the problem is i don't know exactly how this like reflects hmm. so it's roughly in 1986 it would have been 740 dollars but like i don't know what that means in terms of spending power Still a hell of a lot though for for every flight. <laughs> a lot of money. Basically, basically, if it was in twenty twenty two, that's the same as spending four four grand mm. to go to a place and back just on flights. But uh, on the subject of Japan. Uh, Reardon. So this is kind of the reason why uh, Anoki kind of doubled down on professional wrestling being a, uh, being a legitimate uh, martial art. Hence why he would send, at the turn of the century, a lot of his guys to work for Pride Fighting Championships. <laughs> um, and why he yeah. would bring in guys like Bob Sapp um, to become IWGP heavyweight <laughs> champion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thing, I guess the only thing that you could say that was that is kayfabe similar in Japan is that uh, a lot you you give a lot of respect to professional wrestlers there. You know, uh, um, sponsors they usually have when you when you have fans take wrestlers, you know, to have drinks, have food, you know, spend as much money as you possibly can to take them out and have on a night out and give them a good time, but always be respectful to them because, you know... Well, you can be Tetsu United and have uh, takeaway food delivered to you at a press conference. Exactly, and it's still the most <laughs> amazing thing I've ever seen at a press co- like a New Japan press conference. We will get through this together. <laughs> of course, kayfabe in regards to Lucha Libre is kind of intrinsically woven into it. Now, it's not necessarily yeah. called kayfabe, but of course, the illusion of the of luchadors being larger-than-life superheroes. I mean, we've talked about El Santo in the past, and it was, you know, he his kind of kept up the illusion of him being the beyond and end-all of the greatest superhero of all time. And that also came into his movie career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, yeah, by the I way, mean, we still... Though, when you think about... God. When you think about it in terms of, the of like, the Lucha Libre, obviously the thing becomes about the masks. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, that's more tied into the thing of, obviously... The mask is what makes the wrestler. It's not the person underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's by the way, Lucha Chad. Libre, a pathway into metaphysics. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, He's not wrong, you know. <laughs> but yeah. you know, and things like that. Because it's some. It's a. It's a thing about kayfabe that I've tried to get across to people. Mm. Which is that for us in the UK, it's a very different thing. Hmm. Because for a, for the longest time, like kayfabe kind of 
wasn't a concept. Mm-hmm. Because as I've tried to explain to people before, wrestling in the UK <laughs> was made into being part of the cabaret tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's there's a there's a whole there's a whole thing on this, but I'll try and explain it as simply as I can. But in the early days when professional wrestling was brought to the UK, mm-hmm. one of the stumbling blocks of it was that um like one of the stumbling blocks it originally had was like, well, why would people want to watch it if it's fake? Yeah. Fake to like a nineteen to like a a person in like nineteen (laughs) eighteen, and so obviously one of the big things that became about it was that because it was because it was such, you weren't allowed to bet on it, Mm. and that was one of the things that like quite significantly affected it, and so like the way things that would the way that things were going meant they had to kind of like blend together a bunch of stuff yeah so that it could so that it could work and obviously like it's gone through a whole bunch of other stuff which has affected it but then like we get to things where you know to try and make sure that it stays being a thing, they have to like give it the trappings of rules. Yes. And I find it so I find it so interesting. <laughs> because like it's kind of like you have to put it in the trappings of sports. Yeah. Yeah. For it to be for it to be a thing. And like I said, because it's like part of the, it's inherently part of the cabaret tradition, none of that thing of like, oh, don't be seen together, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Didn't really exist. Yeah. Didn't yeah. exist you, because, people I, knew, because people knew it was a show. <laughs> do you think that like also it being very strictly like as once it, once wrestling became like wrestling that we know, like, Family entertainment, like seaside entertainment. Mm, yeah. Do you think that helped as well in that kind of? We don't care. Absolutely. <laughs> just, I mean, we're just but, doing but it. That's the thing, though, because you have to think like professional wrestling at its absolute like high in the UK were things like World of Sport. Exactly. I mean, yes. look at it this way: the biggest, the highest rated uh, wrestling. Um, event that was on tv took place right i want to see before or after the fa cup final at wembley arena we saw big daddy versus giant haystacks uh, and no one was it. watching that purely for the sporting contest <laughs> i'm like but like this is the thing and i, I show people like world of sport matches and they and i'm like and they're like, oh look, there's like a there's like a granny in the audience with her handbag. And I'm like, yeah, because that's what that's the people that went to go see it. Yeah. It was just a thing that you went and saw mm. at like your local village hall because it happened to be happening. It wasn't the it wasn't it, it was and isn't the thing 
that was happening in the US at the time. Mm. And the thing is, like, even kind of... And like, it, like we said, it's only really been since, like, the mid-80s. Yeah. Certainly not the late 90s until professional, until British wrestling got to basically copying the US. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It was a, very much its own let's very not talk, strange thing. Let's not talk about the uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, and the state of this country when they would the, have tribute WWF shows. Tribute shows. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. We... we, we we can skip that part. We're going a little off track there. <laughs> but, but like, but like this, this, this is the thing. Like the key point is, it kayfabe didn't exist because it didn't need to exist. Exactly. Yeah. As, it, the, as everyone the, knew, the concept was not a thing. As everyone knew, it was common knowledge that Big Daddy's real name was Shirley Crabtree. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Shirley Crouchy. Incredible. What a name. It really, it really, really is. Um, and, every, and 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 it, which was so confusing as well was when Giant Haystacks went over to WCW in the mid-90s and was billed as Loch Ness. Everyone in this country was incredibly confused. That's that's amazing. <laughs> won't, won't lie, that's, that's kind of amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that, but that, that's again. That's the thing. It's like, why? Why is he not called Giant Haystacks? Because that's what we know him as. <laughs> oh man, it's, it's kayfabe has always I felt to be a really kind of, in the terms of professional wrestling, even terms just outside, it's a really niche, difficult ter- uh, like concept to talk about. Because unless yeah. you are a professional wrestling fan, it can go way over your head. I would say the only thing that could possibly come any sort of way uh, familiar or similar to kayfabe, I guess, is the quote-unquote rivalry between Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart or Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like is... they make it I, out I, to I... like they hate each other, but in actuality they're probably a good, really good friends. My 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 easiest way of trying to explain it to people has generally come down to things like, um, I either using the reference of like when you're watching when you're watching a film and there's like a stunt scene mm. which is that the film sets up everything to give you the trappings of feeling like everything is happening and everything is serious but you know it's not but you look past that yeah yeah like you know that the character is not going to die in the explosion you know they're not going to fall to the ground and like break all their bones mhm mhm you know that, like, when you, you know, like I say, like, you know, when you're watching a fight sequence. Yeah. You know, they're not, fi- you know, Keanu Reeves is not actually fighting the legion of, like, bad guys in front of him or whatever. But it's intended to give you the visual that he is. Yeah. <laughs> funny, I know, uh, funny thing okay. about, actually, whilst you uh, reference Keanu there. Uh, Dad, during my research in kayfabe, Rudin, you'll love this one as well. I kept coming up 
with with attachments uh, with kayfabe to simulacra and simulation. <laughs> oh God, I knew it! I knew it! I knew this would happen. I knew we didn't. But it was going to be. It was going to be, wasn't it? No. <laughs> I was really hoping we, we, we were not going to do this. I'm not going but we to, are. I always found it so funny that every time I would research kayfabe, search results would sometimes ping me straight to simulacra and simulation. I mean, but, but again, I quote the first line of the, Wiki, the first section of the Wikipedia article. In particulars, the significations and symbolism of culture and media involved in constructing an understanding of a shared existence. <laughs> yeah, that is that's oh god damn it. That is I'm, literally case. <laughs> I am I am I am honestly slightly annoyed that we've that we've hit this point. <laughs> uh, another one actually that I think is very interesting. That's a sidebar to this. Mm. Is um I uh, I can't remember what it, I can't remember the actual um there's this great um there's this great YouTube channel I can't remember its name I want to say X Extended Cinema I want to say that's what it is but I don't quote me on that listeners talking about basically kung fu in films and whether kung fu is fake or not mm. yeah I mean there's a whole thing there's a whole thing going on right now. Um, in the martial arts community, which I'm kind of adjacent to. I follow little bits of it, which is about how the Chinese government is promoting Kung Fu as like both a combat and a health benefit. But the problem, is, is yeah. the problem is that lots of that money for that funding is going to kung fu masters who have large followings because they claim they have like psychic powers yeah it's I a remember. very similar thing, thing to, it's a whole thing <laughs> it's a very similar thing as to what they did to tai chi as well yeah tai chi's involved in it um as well i can't remember the thing but because this is so incredibly leads me to uh a, a project that I am involved in doing right now that I won't share any more information. <laughs> Ooh. No questions at this time. Um, which is the quote from, um, I think it's Roland Bartes, which is that um, the expectation of a wrestler is not to win. The expectation is to do all the, like all the moves that are the moves that are expected of him. Mm. Like once you realize that about wrestling, like all of a sudden everything changes. Yeah, I mean, I think for all of us, like the moment that we kind of, I'm gonna say, we twigged onto the fact that wrestling wasn't real was like you, you people like for lots of people they say it's like pulling back the curtain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for I think for a lot of us, obviously, like for myself, once you re- once I kind of became aware of that fact, it improved it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like once I realized, oh, the, 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 it's a different. It's actually a kind of a funny thing. It's like it's the difference between like just a, watching a contest between two really cool people and like no, no, these people actively have to work together, hit their marks, and sell it that it and sell it that they are actually trying to beat each other. That is impressive as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It, that is very. That is very very true. Um, 
also it made it made sense for me uh, in a way in a way to realize that that undead wizard who has magical powers isn't in fact an undead wizard with magical powers i mean look right that, that's the that's the other bit of it <laughs> yeah it's incredible how long how long we just bought that like yeah yeah, yeah no that that tracks that tracks that because, right, here's, here's here's my here's my thing, right? One of those moments that made when I was younger made me question kayfabe was why does the Undertaker not just use lightning on people? <laughs> if Kurt Angle's the greatest wrestler of all, like pure pound for pound wrestler of all time, then why hasn't the Undertaker just struck him with lightning? No, but I was like, they were there and they were like, oh, this could be the Undertaker's toughest test. And I'm like, the man can shoot lightning. He can summon right? people. He he has he summons people from the dead. Like how many times has he summoned Paul Bearer this, from the dead? This man's an this man is an undead wizard. Why is he not winning every? Why is he not champion of the entire world? See, that's the difference between him and Jericho is that he actually claims is that he can actually be a wizard by shooting lightning, whereas Chris Jericho thinks he's a wizard by actually shooting fireballs at people. I was I was I was gonna I was gonna say something very different. I will hold my tongue. <laughs> oh, I knew ex- I think I know exactly what you were gonna say there for a moment. Then. <laughs> good, good. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for doing that. <laughs> Oh god! Oh god! It's not like I've got a towel right to my head now, cooling myself off with flop sweat for a second there. (laughs) Listen, it's too. Listen, it's literally too hot for that kind of heat right now. Yeah, literally too hot for that. Oh man! I tell you this, we could go on forever, but I'll tell you what. I'm gonna wrap up here because I've really, really, really enjoyed it. We could go on forever. It's been a really nice discussion as well about it because I've not really been able to talk about the intricacies of kayfabe and just kind of like the 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 illusion of professional wrestling that much with people. It's been really nice. I've really enjoyed this one. That's because we're a bunch of nerds who have thought about this. Far too long. Oh, I was going to say what you're what what the problem here is that you're asking this question to a group of people who are intrinsically and inherently attached to both the worlds of philosophy, uh, examining media far too deeply. Yeah, uh, and theater. This is what happens when you. This is what you know. What Ex- explain Expl- explain kayfabe to us, Matrix fans. <laughs> <laughs> First adopter Matrix fans. Um, I, I, I'll, I can be here and then I'll, and like talk to people and then just say, so is wrestling an extension of Brechtian theatre? Don't. We have to move on. Listen, I literally, I, I felt like the theatre kid in me jump out from my stomach to wanting to talk about that. Now we have to cut this right now. Right the hell now. Professional wrestling taking place at the Globe Theatre in 2023. My, my new gimmick is Mac the Knife. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, fellas, no, I've really, really enjoyed this one. But keeping up with our obsession now with kayfabe, we're going to be doing a pay-per-view review for our next episode. And oh boy, did I really pick one for the pair of you this time, didn't I? Oh, God. We're doing a SummerSlam and we're doing the most infamous one. Yes, it's Undertaker versus Undertaker. It's SummerSlam 1994. <laughs> Just had to do it, didn't you? 
<laughs> what way to to really, really just, you know, go, you know what, are we really supposed to believe this than having Undertaker going up against himself? But not in, like, the existentialist way. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I may add as well that I am going to show you two as well that... <laughs> that Frank Drebin from Police Squad of the Naked Gun was sent to find The Undertaker. In kayfabe, may I add, Frank Drebin. Yeah, but I, we, we, all know that, we all know that Frank Drebin keeps kayfabe. <laughs> exactly. Without question. God, Without question. God bless you, Leslie Nielsen. That is all to come up on our next episode. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Dan and Reardon. You stay safe during this heat wave. Drink lots of water. And hopefully, we'll see yep, you yep. on the other side of it. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye. Stay hydrated. Bye.